Hello, and welcome back to the Outdoor Minimalist Podcast. I'm your host, Meg Carney, an outdoor and environmental writer and author of the book, Outdoor Minimalist, Wasteless Hiking, Camping, and Backpacking. The Outdoor Minimalist Podcast has a goal to give listeners actionable ways to waste less hiking, camping, backpacking, and more during every step of their process. Your impact outdoors starts long before you hit the trail and goes beyond leave no trace ethics. You'll learn how to identify sustainable outdoor brands, how to ask hard questions regarding sustainability, and begin to shift and evolve your mindset to integrate minimalism into all of your outdoor pursuits. In episode 68 of the Outdoor Minimalist podcast, we are joined once again by Erin Owens Mayhew, the founder of Backcountry Foodie. If this is your first time hearing of her, then you need to go back and listen to episode 40, which also features Erin and is titled Becoming Minimalist, Downsizing for Life. That episode was actually our most streamed episode of 2022 and is filled with wonderful insights and stories about how anyone can start to integrate a little more minimalism into their lifestyle. And although Erin does have tons of great tips on living minimally, she's also an expert on backcountry nutrition. So in this episode, we get to talk about how to prepare backpacking meals and snacks. Erin Owens Mayhew is a registered dietitian and ultralight long distance backpacker with nearly 20 years of experience as a hiker and nutrition expert. In 2017, she quit her job and began preparing for her first through hike. During this process, Erin realized how uniquely qualified she was to plan and prepare meals for outdoor athletes and decided to put her skills to the test. She founded Backcountry Foodie, an online ultralight recipes and meal planning platform that same year. Since then, Erin has dedicated her career to helping thousands of hikers enjoy delicious food and improve their performance in the backcountry. She focuses on ultralight low volume recipes and meal plans specially formulated for endurance athletes. Erin truly loves creating delicious functional backpacking recipes and sharing her knowledge with like-minded hikers. Supercharge your dog's mealtime with Neobites Functional Dog Food Toppers. Neobites unlocks the unique power of cricket protein to promote firm poops, a thick and shiny coat, and everyday vitality for your pup. With a powder format, these toppers can easily be mixed into existing foods to make mealtime more exciting. Cricket, a hypoallergenic and humane protein, is not only a better option for your pup, but it's better for the planet too. Producing virtually no greenhouse gases and using fractions of the resources used by traditional proteins. Check out Neobytes products on Amazon and at eatneobytes.com. Use the discount code CRICKET15 for 15% off your next order. And then use the code OUTDOORMINIMALIST for 10% off every order after that. Thanks for joining me again on the show, Erin. If people haven't heard previous episodes, you are already on one of my most popular episodes, which is Becoming Minimalist, Downsizing for Life. And that was a really, really great discussion. But I felt like you also have a lot to offer in the realm of your backcountry foodie business, which we only really briefly touched on in that episode because it wasn't the main focus. As you have already answered on the first episode, but just in case people haven't listened to that one quite yet, can you just give us a little bit of background on how you got involved in outdoor recreation and then also how Backcountry Foodie came to be? 
Well, my name is Erin Owens Mayhew, and I grew up in small town Kentucky where we didn't hike, backpack, camp, or any of those kinds of things. So it wasn't until after graduate school that I actually learned about mountains and hiking and those types of things. So that was in 2001 is when I really started hiking. But I also became a dietitian at the time, and I've been always a dietitian. I love my job. But for 16 years, I was a clinical dietitian working in hospitals, outpatient clinics, you know, those kinds of things, and actually specifically children with special health care needs. But then I finally hit a point where I was turning 40 and realized I'm miserable. I don't know why, but I'm miserable. I guess a few of the things where the hospital is growing and growing and growing. And like a lot of other things, you work harder and harder and harder with fewer resources. So I was just burned out. I was living in Seattle, Washington. So the drive was two hours each way. So I was burned out with that. So they're just kind of, I guess there were a lot of compounding factors as to why I was miserable. So I just up and decided to quit my job. Almost 10 years, I was completely secure and wanted to through hike the PCT. And that was just kind of a like, I just need a break. Let me go do this. I never backpacked more than three to five days at a time. So this was going from a weekend warrior to I'm doing this for five months. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm getting myself into. So that's where Backcountry Foodie came about is the preparation for that is being the dietitian. And I was also a trail runner at the time. So nutrition was really, really important to keep my weight on while I was running because I was doing long distance runs. So that's when I was like, oh gosh, like I can't just eat weekend meals on the through hike because I'm going from a 10 mile day to a 20 mile day, five months Mm -hmm. long. So that's when I was kind of tinkering in the kitchen, figuring out that the recipes online weren't quite doing it for me. They either didn't have enough carbs. They didn't have enough protein. I didn't like what they tasted like. So I created all my own and lo and behold, it caught on. And my specialty too is getting food as light as possible, as small as possible, but still getting in all the nutrition. So I call it ultralight meal planning. And through that trip, it caught on. Then I went on to do part of the AT, the Oregon Coast Trail. And it's just kind of people are more and more interested in it. And it's led to where I am today, six years later, of an online platform where I develop recipes as a living for hikers and backpackers. And actually, we're doing bikepackers now, canoe campers. So anybody that needs like really good, high quality backpacking food that's worried about the space that they need to put it in is what I do. And we have a meal planning site, which I think is what we're going to talk about today is some meal planning Mm -hmm. tips is essentially it really automates everything. So instead of having to do it all in spreadsheets and those kinds of things, then I've done all that for you. So that's kind of been my journey with Backcountry yeah. Foodie, the way it started. That's awesome. So when it comes to meal planning, like you said, that is kind of going to be our main focus is just kind of like, how do you prep and plan and make sure that it's aligning with all of your needs and values and things like that? So where should people start, I guess? I've probably got two things that I always tell everybody. Number one is taste test at home before you even go backpacking. Because <laughs> one of the worst things is you pull it off, and this is from my own experience, you pull it off the shelf, it sounds delicious. Then you get in the camp and it's like, oh man, that doesn't taste good at all. So you have the decision of, do I just force myself to eat it so I don't have to carry like the heavy weight the rest of the days? Or do you go without and then you risk not feeling good because you're not getting enough calories and energy and those kinds of things. So I really recommend trying food at home first. And this is where I think DIY really comes into play because it's so much cheaper to Mm -hmm. go to the grocery store and pick up some ingredients and that kind of thing instead of investing in a $12 meal off of the grocery, the REI shelf. And then it's like, oh, this didn't taste very good. Then I would say the other one is keep track of what you do. And this is something that I've learned with time is if you have just even just an overnight trip, write down everything that's going to go with you. Then when you get back home, write down that worked really well, that tasted good. This is what I do differently. I didn't have enough energy. That was too much food those kinds of things. So I think that's just a really good place to start. So if you're thinking about longer and longer trips, then you can build upon that with time. So I think as a beginner, that's kind of where just to start with those things. Yeah. Yeah. 
That makes a lot of sense. I've definitely made the mistake where I was like, that sounds like it could be good. And I like threw some stuff together and it was horrible. And then I just had to eat it because I was like, this is my meal for this time. And right. yeah, definitely taste and testing the other things, Taste testing. The other thing is read the instructions before you buy it. <laughs> I remember this. I made the mistake of buying what I, it sounded like a really good egg scramble. I didn't read the instructions. I got to camp, was going to make it and I needed a frying pan. And then I oh, no. <laughs> so it's like, oh, rookie mistake. Yeah, um, so just something like that is reading the instructions. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you kind of touched on this on like the DIY is really beneficial. And do you find that that is better in terms of nutrition as well? Because you're able to kind of like tailor it more or how can people, this is like a twofold question. So like, mm-hmm. is it better? And then also how do people kind of like narrow down what their nutrition would be on the trail versus their day-to-day life maybe? So the pre-made meals are really easy. They're easy to pull them off the shelf and they're there. If you find some that you really love and it's convenient and you feel good, then there's no reason why not to do those. But if you're finding that they're too large a portion, you always have leftovers, or maybe there's you have a gluten-free diet and you're having a hard time finding things, or maybe you're nut-free or any of these dietary restrictions, making DIY is so much easier to meet all your special needs. And two, with my specialty, because I'm so focused on, I'm an ultralight backpacker. Everything is multi-purpose, teeny tiny. So in doing DIY, you can really fine tune what's in your food to meet that kind of need. All your flavor preferences too, you have complete control over those. So if you have a meal that has everything in it you like, but you don't like green peppers, then you can control that at home in a DIY. So I think that's just really a personal preference of like how much you want to fine tune to meet yourself. And your other question was how to figure out how much you need for yourself. Yeah. So kind of like, how do you balance the nutritional value of things? Because I think when I first started backpacking more often, I was just kind of going for like cheap, easy, quick things. And they didn't really have much nutritional value other than maybe some carbs and it tasted fine. So like, how do you make sure that you're fulfilling those nutritional needs and also kind of like balancing out food cravings because you get that like trail hunger and you maybe want more sweets and fats and salty things than you normally would. And you can't, this is actually, again, my specialty, I love getting nerdy, is that easy, cheap, and quick is what I do best. (laughs) We talked about in the previous episode, we lived in a van. So my husband and I were essentially unemployed for two and a half years other than kind of getting the business started. So we're extremely frugal. So I figured out how to do that. Believe it or not, I don't like to cook at home. And I'm a dietitian. So the more easier, quicker it is, the more likely I'm to eat healthy on trail because it just requires less effort. I want to be out there. I want to experience the trail. I don't want to be busy like doing gourmet meals. That's just my personal preference. So figuring out what works the best for you is number one, carbs are your friend when you're backpacking. We can go into the whole keto diet kind of thing. And it does work for low intensity kinds of hikes because you can work off of fat that way. But I kind of think of all my hikes, there's usually some high intensity somewhere involved. I'm usually having to do a climb. I'm usually having to push through some brush or going through a creek or those kinds of things. So that's when your carb, your body really needs the carbs for the higher intensity things. So reading on the food labels, kind of the general goal, if you want to get nerdy, it's like 60, 90 grams of carbs for your meals. So when you are picking them off, you're buying a pre-made one, read on the label to make sure it's at least that amount snacks and kind of thing when you're picking out bars you want to eat look for like 30 to 60 grams of carbs per serving so that's just kind of really generic kind of baseline and then like i was saying is keeping track when you're out there was this enough did i feel good or did i run out of energy was this bar like way too much food for me then you kind of adjust it the next time so i think that way and then protein just making sure there's protein and everything 
if you want to get really nerdy to be able to recover in the evening, 15 to 25 grams of protein with your dinner is like the sweet spot to get you to recover and feel better the next day. It's not so much of a problem for overnight trips and you're going to go home and have like a regular meal and that kind of thing. But if you're doing the longer and longer trips, the more and more your body needs to recover and replenish itself that way. Thinking about cravings, I'm a huge believer in eat what makes you happy. <laughs> so because again, like you're working hard when you're out there. So if food builds your morale and makes you feel good, you know, eat what you want. And I'm also a big believer in eating similar to what you eat at home and not completely changing your diet when you're backpacking. Because if you try to spend all this time eating healthy, taking care of yourself at home, and then you go and do Pop-Tarts and, you know, I don't know, sweet and sour, whatever, you know, junky kinds of things, then those tend to be, like you're saying, I think highly processed sugars and carbs and those things. Your body was like, whoa, this shock, like what's going on? But Snickers, I think are fine. I mean, yes, they have a little bit of sugar in them, but they also have protein, carbs, and fat in them. And that's kind of my big thing too, is thinking about every bite that goes in your mouth, make sure it has all those macronutrients in it because you're making good use of every single food. So for my cravings, if I'm trying to eat healthier, as if I'm craving sugar, then I might have a fruit bar instead of sweet and sour or sweet tarts kind of thing, because mm -hmm. you're getting some more nutrition in that fruit bar. If I'm craving salty, then maybe I'll have like salty nuts, but then I know I need carbs. So maybe I'll put some extra dried fruit in it kind of thing. So you're still getting that flavor craving, but you're also adding in the nutrition that your body's really needing at the same time. Yeah, I guess for my experiences, it's been a lot of kind of trial and error, kind of like mm -hmm. you're saying, where it's like, well, this time that didn't really work out as well, or I don't need as much of that or something like that. And I'm also wondering about, especially on longer distance hikes, because like weekend overnights, this wouldn't really be as important, I don't think, mm -hmm. for fruits and vegetables, because obviously the dried fruits, they are a little bit different than having like fresh fruits all the mm -hmm. time, just because they lose fiber or something like that. And then the vegetables, you can get that with dehydrated things, but I don't know if that changes the nutritional value or anything like that. <laughs> it does actually a lot. So it's really hard to match your fruit and veggie intake. If you're a regular a fruit and veggie person at home, it's really hard to eat that same amount on trail. Reason being is that just the volume of the food. So when you think of a whole green pepper, when it shrinks down, when you dehydrate it, it shrinks down to half that much, the actual volume of it. And then the nutrition content of that cuts down another 50% just from the exposure. And when I talk about nutrition content, the fiber and the protein, the carbs are there, it's the vitamins that are gone. And that's just because of the exposure to heat for so many hours upon hours that you lose the vitamin content of it. So when you think about it, okay, your size, you got down to 50%, now another 50%, and then you're not going to eat like a whole quarter cup of dehydrated bell pepper usually. You might have like a tablespoon or two in a meal kind of thing. So you're getting like significantly less nutrition than you would if you're eating it fresh. Luckily, freeze-dried actually retains the nutrition, the vitamins, but it's significantly more expensive. You can't necessarily do it at home and that kind of thing. So it's not as easily accessible, even though it does provide the nutrition. So yeah, so overnight people not worried about so much because deficiencies take weeks to months to develop. So when I'm doing my trips, I actually just take a multivitamin. Then that way I eat fruits and veggies based on the flavor and the taste that I want. And then the multivitamin covers me everywhere else. So I don't have to really stress about those things. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. The multivitamin, I feel like I have never really been one to take multivitamins. So like if you don't usually take that sort of thing, should you be taking it for like a couple of weeks before you head out, especially if it's like a through hike or something like that, or yeah. can you just kind of jump in and be fine? Yeah. If you normally eat a regular diet and you feel like you're replenished and all those kinds of things, then you're not starting out deficient. You're starting out already well. Mm -hmm. You've got everything that you need. So it's just one of those 
And you can always go into town. I mean, it depends on how good you are about eating a salad and a fruit bowl in town versus eating a burger and french fries that aren't necessarily <laughs> going to have the vitamins that you need. If you want to eat better fruits and veggies and you go into town, then you may not necessarily need the vitamin kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. but it is really hard to eat enough of those things to get your nutrition and vitamins wise when you're doing a long distance hike. Yeah, that makes sense. And I don't want to focus too much on nutrition. It's very fascinating to me, but uh, we can kind of like transition a little bit into like, I guess if you're thinking about the nutritional aspects and your personal needs and all of that stuff, along with having to carry all of that food, how do you like narrow things down and determine how much food you actually will be needing for the length of your trip? And that's probably the number one question I get asked all the time is like, Erin, just tell me how much to pack. (laughs) I wish wish it were an easy answer. And it's not an easy answer because every hiker is different. Every hike is different. You know, all those are so many variables that it's going to be different every single time. So kind of circling all the way back to the writing down what you need or what you eat and what works well for you is that's the best way to do it is when I have my coaching clients, I literally start from home is what do you need on a normal day at home? Because if you don't have any idea what that is, then you have no idea what to eat when you're backpacking. Because I found that some of my coaching clients are like, oh, I eat like 2000 calories at home. So we start there and build upon it. But it turns out that this one particular lady actually ate 2500 at home and she would only eat 2500, which is backpacking. So it was an easy way to figure out that we weren't packing enough food for her because we'd missed the beginning part. So just starting all the way at home and then keeping track and just start ramping kind of your calories up based on what your trip is. Because low intensity hikes can be 250 calories an hour. High intensity hikes can be 800 calories per hour. So I mean, there's such a huge range that it's really individualized. And I find it tuned so much that on the PCT, I know what I need. The AT, I know what I need. The Oregon Coast Trail, like all my trails have been completely different and I'm the same person. <laughs> so it's it's a lot of trial and error. I mean, it just kind of all goes back to that. Yeah, it would be hard to nail it down for like a broad audience to be like, yeah. this is what you need. But the two pounds per day rule, I guess I didn't mention that. The two pounds per day mm-hmm. rule is my least favorite thing <laughs> because never if you just that. put... Oh, the two pounds of food per day. You haven't heard that? No, I haven't. Oh, good. I'm glad. (laughs) (laughs) So the kind of the golden rule is what they call it is two pounds worth of food per person per day is kind of what you when you're reading on blogs and videos and those kinds of things is to just put two pounds worth of food in the bag and you're good to go. The problem with that is that two pounds worth, I'm going to be really over exaggerating here, two pounds worth of apples is very different from two pounds worth of honey buns. (laughs) So the food is very, very different. And so what one person packs in that two pounds could have lots of nutrition in it. And the other two pounds somebody else packs could be nothing but sugar. So I really don't like that two pound per day rule. I'd rather going all the way back to what works the best for you, because you and I, I mean, we have very different probably tastes. We probably hike at different paces, you know, those kinds of things. So what you eat probably doesn't work for me. So that's one of the rules that I really, really, really dislike. And then the other, I happen to think just now, are the calorie calculators online. As I really dislike those because they underestimate your daily needs. From what I've found is that they'll tell you how many calories you're burning while you're actively hiking. But let's say you hiked four hours in the day. How many calories do you need those other 20 hours? And so what I found is people will rely on that number that it generates and miss out on all those other calories that they should have been packing for the rest of the day. So that's just something to be aware of if you're going to look at those kind of resources to know that it may or may not be a good idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It's hard to kind of muddle through all of that stuff and like really like latch onto the things that are more realistic, I guess, for application. And since we were kind of talking about weight, I guess, how do you minimize the weight? Because there's some things that are just always going to be heavy, like nuts. <laughs> yep. 
but nuts are really calorically dense. So you can actually get a lot of the calories in that volume of nuts. This is kind of another, going back to my preferences, is if something is fairly heavy, but it doesn't have as many calories, but you really enjoy it, take it. If that's going to make you happy, then just make up the difference elsewhere. Choose something else that's maybe more calorically dense, is smaller, lighter, just to make up the difference. So I see a lot of people are like, I need a highest calorie per ounce on every single food that's in my bag. That doesn't necessarily have to be that way because some of those foods, they just don't taste as good because they're really oily. They're really fatty to get them calorically dense like that. So there, I think there's like a beans and rice dish I really, really love, but it's about 110 calories per ounce, which is pretty low when you kind of think of backpacking food. So then I offset it by having, I think I've got like a Thai curry that's really heavy in coconut milk and those kinds of things. So it's a lot more fatty at 150 calories per ounce. So then it kind of brings it, evens it out to where I'm able to get the food and a reasonable amount of weight. Yeah. Yeah. And then can you kind of like maybe stagger that, like the lower calorie meals on an easier day or something like that? Well, that too. I mean, if you really want to get sophisticated, you can do it that way too. I mean, it's totally, it's all, I mean, it's really trial and error, what fits for you, what makes you happy. So yeah, especially like the lower energy days, you definitely don't need an 800 calorie dinner. You could do a lower calorie one, that kind of thing. But if you really want to fine tune for my trips, because again, I'm an ultralight backpacker, I try to average 150 calories per ounce for my entire day. Cause that way I know I can get all the nutrition in I, the smallest amount possible without it being like drinking oil. <laughs> Cause once you get much higher than that, it's like drinking oil all day long. Gross. <laughs> yeah, we, don't gross. we don't want that. Right. So I know a lot of people get really focused on that. I need fat. I need fat. I need fat, but you can actually do it by thinking about your other carbs and protein and things too. Yeah. I have heard of people like eating just straight up butter. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> That's really. But there's no protein in it. There's no carbs in it. So sure, it's, it's calories. Fat. It's just calories, right? So you're not getting all the other things your body really desperately needs. Yeah, having that balance, I could see how that'd be really valuable. So thank you for sharing all that nutritional information. I know that is probably a lot to kind of like process and take in, but very interesting. But what about this? Would be like maybe more on brand for outdoor minimalists is when you're thinking about what is like the largest area of waste that you could think of, like maybe in your own experiences when you have been like developing different meals or even like working with clients. Is there like a specific area of like meal planning or the backpacking foods where the most waste is being produced? This is something after I did my PCT and AT hikes that I really struggled with when I got home. I counted up 450 plastic baggies. <laughs> Whoa. I was like, I can't do that ever again. Like, that's just not okay. So the plastic baggies that the food goes in is like a really big one. Is I know a lot of people like the freezer bags, but as soon as you cook in those, they can't be used again. So you can always take those home, wash them and use them for a trail mix, use them for crackers, you know, wash and reuse those the best you can just to recycle them. Plastic wrappers for bars is like a huge amount of waste too. So those, and I think TerraCycle used to be a place where you could recycle bar wrappers. I haven't looked recently because we live in a place where they don't do it, but that used to be a good place to recycle. I think yeah. Cliff Bars. Cliff Bars and a couple other brands, but I know for sure yeah. they they accepted Cliff Bars and a couple other like random right. brands. So that made me feel a little bit better <laughs> doing that. And then the other is if you're going to do DIY meals is all the individual packaging that the meal, the ingredients come in. Mm -hmm. I actually wash and recycle, like if it's a bag of dried fruit that has a zipper top, I actually focus on buying zipper top ones is I wash and reuse those and put my meals back in it. 
So that's kind of my way of not now using another plastic baggie. And then two, the other thing that I've noticed people that may only hike like a couple of days a year, they'll buy like the really individualized size packages of ingredients. I mean, rightfully so, because you may not use it that year. But what you can do is if you happen to have a vacuum sealer is I use mason jars now, glass mason jars. And I buy a little bit larger volume package, put it in my mason jar. And actually just this week, I used food from last January. So if you package it, you can use it for at least a year or two years later if you learn to storage that way. And then the mason jars are wash and reuse over and over and over again, too. So it's a little bit of an investment up front, but I think it really cuts down on the plastic over time. Yeah, yeah. The plastic packaging in food, especially for backpacking the prepackaged foods, I feel like Mm -hmm. it is really hard to escape, but it is possible because I did have someone on the show who did a zero waste through hike of the PCT. So if people want to know how she did that, they can go back and listen to that episode. But when you're trying to tailor it to your own needs and your own trips, like what would you recommend so you're able to meet those nutritional needs that we were talking about? And then also maybe align it more with your values. So you're having a lower waste experience with the food it's tough (laughs) it's really a tough one actually i need to listen to that podcast episode i really probably really learned some things from her about how she went zero waste because i'm still struggling but actually i just happened to think of something else the way i do to reduce waste is on the weekends like every sunday if there's produce that's going to go in the garbage within the next two days or so i dry it all so then that way i'm reducing all that food waste and i Mm -hmm. found that this year i haven't bought any new ingredients because oh, wow. I'm using food from, like I said, I, that's what made me think about it. Just this week, I made um, a veggie pho for dinner using freeze-dried tofu, I think some mushrooms, onions, and some other things that I dried last winter. And those were all things that would have gone in the garbage. So that's kind of my own little personal way of reducing some waste too. But yeah, so packaging, I don't know if I have a good answer for that one of kind of your own values and packaging and meeting your nutrition needs, other than maybe buying things in bulk for the ingredients you're going to use. And that's what I do too. And that kind of goes with the vacuum sealing and the mason jars making them last a lot longer. So I don't know that I have a good answer. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you did kind of have a good answer because it sounds like you are dehydrating a lot of your own things. And so I guess if you're going more the DIY route, it would just intrinsically be less waste because like, even if you don't dry all that food yourself, like you said, you could buy in bulk because I guess that's kind of what I gravitated more towards before I got a dehydrator is just kind of like, I can buy couscous in bulk or sometimes they have the larger packages of freeze-dried things that you can order if you can't do it yourself. So, I mean, there's still waste involved. <laughs> yeah. And it takes and a those, little more planning, I guess. Right. And the one just kind of for anyone that's new that might be thinking about through hike and buying in bulk, do not buy nuts in bulk. <laughs> I really? made this, yes, I made this mistake early on because you don't know how long they've been sitting there in the container. I'm thinking the bulk containers at the grocery store and I had them go rancid within three months because they weren't freshly come from a fresh package. So that's a mistake that I made. And I'd invested like tons and tons of money in macadamia nuts, you know, and pecans and those things. And then they all went bad. So that would be another way of kind of reducing waste. Like we're talking about buying in bulk is repackaging into smaller portions. So you only use like the small portion at a time. So you're not exposing everything else to oxygen that's degrading it with time. So that's just a kind of another tip to keep the shelf life of things a little bit longer. Yeah, I could see that being important. I never even thought about the possibility of the nuts going rancid. So that's that it was really disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I was like, oh, these are terrible. And it's one of those times where I was really hungry and I couldn't eat them. <laughs> awesome. 
Okay, so I guess how could, if people aren't preparing their own foods, what would be some like go-to grocery store items that you'd be like, that's usually a good pick? So if they're not preparing their own foods and want to go to the grocery, yeah. so like things that are pre-made already at the grocery, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. let me think, because I'm such a DIY person, <laughs> because I don't like things that are pre-made because like the box mac and cheese, I just don't like the nutrition in it, the instant yeah. mashed potatoes, I don't like the nutrition in it. What I would rather do is take, I mean, this is still fairly easy to do. If you are going to buy a packet of tuna is add a little bit of Parmesan to it and maybe a little bit of olive oil and use crackers like maybe Triscuits with it instead of a tortilla, because you're actually doing those few little combination things. You're going to get so much more nutrition than just the packet of tuna and just a tortilla. So those are still grocery friendly. I guess it's still a little DIY, but it's something you could easily do. Obviously trail mixes are easy. I'm having a hard time with the DIY because I'm thinking what I do with oatmeal. Instead of just having a plain packet of oatmeal, I put nuts in it and dried fruit that I buy at the grocery store. So that's still, and then milk powders there. So they're all grocery items, but it's still, I guess, DIY and not a lot of pre-made. Yeah, but you're not necessarily dehydrating it yourself or no. something like that. This is all very accessible to everyone. Oh, yeah. so. Well, and like I was saying, actually, I'm a lazy cook. <laughs> so most of my recipes are all just dry ingredients based because I would rather just get it all out and just dump, 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 dump in a bag, seal it up and off I go. Mm-hmm. I rarely, the only time I use my dehydrator is like I said, on the weekends is drying ingredients that I don't want to go to waste. I rarely ever cook a whole meal and dry it. So the others like just going to the grocery store. And that's one of those things too, going down the aisles of the grocery store and take some time. Maybe if you have an extra half an hour is looking, you would be really surprised at what you can find in the grocery instead of just going to the, you know, like the honey bun aisle. Like go down the pasta aisle, go down to like the soup mix aisle, go down like all the other aisles. There's a ton of grocery items that you can use that you may not have actually considered before. Yeah, just kind of exploring. I love I love doing that in grocery stores. It's just kind of seeing what they have and what they can offer. Those are all really great ideas. <laughs> well, so, peanut butter powder, you can add, if you want to do peanut butter powder, you can add that to just about anything too. Mm-hmm. And they actually make almond powder now and cashew butter powder. So oh, for people that have peanut allergies, you can use those too. Yeah, love that. I am not seeing the almond powder, but I want some now. <laughs> um, <laughs> What are some just general resources that you would point listeners to if they want to either start meal planning better for backpacking or are just getting it to it for the first time? Well, we have a blog that we spend a lot of time on. So if you go to backcountryfoodie.com slash blog, you're going to find if you want to get nerdy all about the carbs, the protein, the nutrition, all those things, we've got tips on how to meal plan for through hikes. We've got tips on how to write meal plans. And then we've started recently, since I'm drawing so many ingredients at home, we've started a whole series on how to dehydrate ingredients and then how to use them in backpacking meals instead of just okay now i dried them now what do i do with them and then some tips that i've learned throughout time so like i love using an egg slicer to cut things so strawberries and mushrooms you would never ever normally use an egg slicer but it's amazing because you can just go slice and spread slice spread them on your dehydrators it's just a faster way to be able to do it yeah absolutely Um, and so Backcountry Foodie, the website, and then also the YouTube channel, those are kind of like your main avenues for sharing information. But what about any other outlets that people can kind of look to for updates or just like little snippets of information here and there? We're also on Instagram. I'm also on Facebook. So if you want to find us there, you can do that. And then if you really need some help, I do nutrition coaching too for individualized. So if you get to the point where you're just really struggling, then we can work one-on-one as another option. 
Yeah, I could see that being super valuable for especially long distance hikes and like how you plan all of that. I would have like a meltdown, I think, if I tried to do that by myself. <laughs> well, even just like I was saying earlier, the gal that I worked with, just every single hike, she was miserable. She was like, yeah. I love being out there, but I'm miserable. And as soon as we figured out that she was just under eating, she was like, okay, piece of cake, feeling great, off I go. <laughs> That's awesome. And that's all it took. It was just a little bit of looking into it a little bit deeper and she was done. Yeah, sometimes those little changes make all of the difference. Yeah. And so I'll be sure to share all of the links to your website, your YouTube channel, and then all the socials in the episode notes. So if people want to check you out there, they can do that. But I think that that kind of wraps things up. So I'm just super glad that you had time to come on the show again yeah, and sure. talk about this. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And if you like what you hear, let me know. Leave a review and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on Instagram at outdoor.minimalist.book or subscribe to our weekly newsletter at theoutdoorminimalist.com. For even more updates, educational resources, and to help build an outdoor community with the shared goal to create a better outdoor space as we recreate.